Welcome to IVF Tales, a podcast hoping to make the world of fertility treatment less lonely. We want to start conversations about different fertility journeys to empower your decisions and build a community that understands. Each week we will speak to someone whose journey to having a child has taken a little bit more than a few vodka cruises. We are your hosts, Tiffany and Amy. In today's episode, we're speaking to Talia, so she is still undergoing uh, treatment at the moment, but today she talks about um, using a bulk filling clinic um, and a miscarriage that she suffered. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so her miscarriage is quite, um, I don't know, what. how would you say it, Tiff, like it's... Mm. I think it's a highlight, maybe, yeah. of the issues that we have in our health system. Mm-hmm. Um, just that it was a very dragged out process for her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it wasn't a very pleasant experience, which obviously it wouldn't be, but it wasn't helped by the fact that the way it was handled, I don't think. Yeah. Um... So she was actually like in Vietnam when everything sort of like she was, so she was overseas. Um, and so you're feeling a little bit sensitive with um, the topic of pregnancy and, and miscarriage today, then maybe um, it's towards the end of the episode. So you can still listen to the first half, but maybe the second half just, yeah, once we start talking about that. Um, so Talia's story is fairly straightforward. She's only gone through one round of IVF, um, but as we said to her, it's it's still really important um, for us to sort of get those those short and sweet stories out there because sometimes that's what people experience and they go through. Um, not everyone has gone through multiple rounds of IVF and, and things like that. So it's all about the diversity, I suppose. Mm. How are you going, Tiff? <laughs> yeah, well, we're still in... Uh, self-isolation lockdown with COVID-19 so we've just been at home and staring at the walls and rearranging and pulling everything in our house apart. Mm-hmm. What about you? <laughs> <laughs> Very much the same. So I went on a really big walk yesterday and got really badly sunburnt. Um, thank God Ginny would refuse she was refusing for me to take her jumper off um and mm-hmm. I was getting a bit frustrated at the time because she was sweating but now I'm like oh thank god because I am really fucking burnt yeah. um yeah so and now that I'm old I just really worry about skin cancer Oh, yeah. Um, so that's great. Uh, but that's been the highlight of my life in the last two months that I got sunburned. Yeah. yeah. I just, like, I don't even know what life will look like after this and, like, mm-hmm. how I'm going to speak to people. <laughs> like, I went to Woolworth the other night to grab a few things and it was the first time I've been anywhere in the week and seeing someone other than family. And I just wanted to chat to the checkout <laughs> people who kept looking at me like, why the fuck are you in <laughs> Can you, like, just shut the fuck up, stop talking to me and get yes, out? Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. Like, whenever I go out to the shops now and someone, like, looks at me, I'm like, hi, how are you? Oh, my God, what have you been doing? And they're like, oh, my God, this is crazy. <laughs> 
<laughs> I like like the Zoom things that I've been doing for like mothers groups and stuff. Literally every time I'm called upon to talk, I feel like crying. <laughs> Just because I'm like, oh, oh hi, hi. <laughs> You're like that girl from the Mingos where she's like, he's yes. like, she doesn't even go here. Yes, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned like the crying thing because like I'm watching, rewatching Shit's Creek after like for like the 50th time and like I want to cry in like every episode and like mm. I just don't feel like that's a very good show to cry. So yeah, no. no. It's like saying that. I am now crying daily whilst watching TikTok. <laughs> I have so like I didn't know that there was different areas of TikTok. Yeah. And I've ended up on like the lesbian dog um coming out to parents like military homecoming section of TikTok. <laughs> Labeled Tears. It's just called Tears. Yeah. <laughs> Constantly scrolling and crying. Yeah. It's so um interesting where you end up on TikTok, like the for you page. Um and yeah. just a tangent, like I'm so proud of you for going on TikTok. Like I've been trying to get you on the page. <laughs> and um I'm on the um lesbian page as well. Like, you know, the like all like the little videos pop up. Like, you know, yeah, like there are no men on my for you page. Yeah. <laughs> Unless they are gay, like. Yeah, yeah, me too. So, like, I'm on the basically like um, LGBTQ, um, mm-hmm. and you know, a lot of trans videos pop up yeah. with, um, yeah, like it's just, and I find it so interesting, and it's sort of the same thing. Like, it warms the cockles of my heart, and it's kind of like, oh my god, like I just yeah. love life, and I have a lot of cat videos that pop up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's our little chat, guys. Yeah, I hope you guys like listening to our talk. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we hope you enjoy listening to today's episode with Talia. Thanks, guys. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us on IVF Tales today, Talia. Thank you. Uh, Just to get us started, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little, little bit about yourself? Um, so Talia, I grew up in the Ipswich area. Um, I'm 32. That's scary. Um, I, I have been with my husband for seven years coming up, I think. Um, married for two. Um, yeah, I, I work locally, live locally, um, that's about it. What else do you want to know? Awesome. Um, people who go through IVF tend to talk a lot about their pets. So do you have any fur children or pets or anything like that? I do. I have a dog and two cats. Beautiful. Yeah, everyone seems to mention their fur babies in their little intro. So <clears throat> we always ask. Um, lovely. Well, did you just want to get us started with your um, fertility story? Um, just start from the start. Um, so as I mentioned, Dave and I have been together for almost seven years. Um, we didn't, we always talked about wanting kids, knew we wanted kids, um, waited to start trying to have our own time. We did a lot of traveling and stuff like that. 
um, focused on work. And then 2000, I think we started talking about it in 2017, um, decided we would get married, go on a honeymoon. So we went to America for a couple of weeks and then came back and said, yep, we'll start trying. So that was the end of 2018. Um, so I was 30. Um, didn't think we'd have any issues. We kind of timed it just in case it happened straight away, as everyone probably does. Um, and then I think it was about six or seven months on. So last year in probably just before midway, um, went to my GP. She knew everything that was happening. She was great. She um, did all my blood tests for me, got everything, made sure everything was good to go. Um, she knew my worry, my personal worry with my age. Um, so she was like, look, normally we have to wait 12 months, but I'll give you a referral and see what they say. Um, so after about seven, eight months of trying naturally, I went to uh, my specialist and then from there we started everything. So they did all their extra scans, testing that they needed to do that my GP hadn't already done. Um, and then that was about June, July of last year. And then, um, I started my first cycle in, it would have been August, September. Um, so got all my, um, drugs and everything to inject myself. That was probably the most terrifying thing I've ever done. I hate needles. Now I don't care about them. Um, thanks, Ivia. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot of people so, in that boat. You're not alone. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I still remember the first time I went to inject myself and I sat on the edge of the bed for about 10 minutes <laughs> thinking, I don't know, it would really hurt or something. Yeah. I don't know what was going through my head. Um, so, yeah, I did all that. Um, and, I like, we'd said, Dave and I said, look, it might not work the first time. We knew the the... Um, percentage wasn't high for it being successful the first time but there's still always a thing in the back of your head um yep all right you know I'll do this I'll get my egg retrieval done and I'll be pregnant in two months or whatever it took um that definitely wasn't the case for me I think I've only I've only done one transfer after that but the whole thing probably took about seven eight months um so I did all my shots and everything, got to the scan before the egg retrieval and she said, my nurse said, no, we're not doing a fresh, you are overstimulating. So I was swollen and my ovaries were huge and if I had have triggered, she said I would have ended up in hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt fine. Like I didn't feel sick or get any of those symptoms, um, but I was right on the cusp of it. So they cancelled that did the egg retrieval that went fine um I can't remember how many eggs I got I think I got I think there was 28 oh, I'm sorry I've just lost my words um, that's okay just take your time that's all right what is it at the scan they look at your your follicles. That's it. Sorry. So I had 28 follicles. That was apparently great. So I went in. I didn't really know 
what was what numbers were good and what wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was living through my nurse at that time. Um, so she said that was really good. I went in, I got 14 eggs retrieved, which again was apparently a really good number. Um, and then 10, 10 fertilised. And I think at the end of the six days, so they went, I had four by day five frozen and then I think another two on day six, mm-hmm. which again is apparently a good number, but I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I did that and then they wanted to try a natural cycle, so no medication before the transfer, mm-hmm. but because my cycle is so all over the place. Um, I wasn't ready um, after two scans. My lining wasn't thick enough. And so they cancelled that month and said, come back to us with your day one next cycle and we'll start you on medication. Um, I'm the most impatient person. So having to wait another month was very frustrating. Um, And then the medication dosage was set um went in for my second month first scan wasn't ready so I had to up my dosage um and I think after that I transferred I did a frozen transfer mm-hmm. um my Dave was there for every other appointment except for that so he was there for every scan every talk with the doctor um and he couldn't get off work to be there for my transfer mm-hmm. so that was re- that was the strange experience I took my sister with me so um she was there when I got pregnant <laughs> um it's a good story I like to tell yeah um so I did the transfer um I was one of those people who tested at home because I couldn't help myself um so that came up positive um got the f- got the bloods done in two weeks and that came up positive. Everything was looking good. My numbers were rising. I went in, we went in for the first scan and that's when we were told that it wasn't viable. So there was no heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a missed miscarriage, I think is what they call it. Yep. Which I didn't know there was different kinds of miscarriage until that day. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was after about four four months and that was two weeks before Christmas um, that we found that out. I think it was the 15th of December or something like that, um, which was, which made it really tough for me because I had planned in my head, oh, I'm going to tell my family on Christmas Day and had all these exciting plans to announce it to everybody. So I had to squash that I also had um so I'm going to backtrack a little bit mm-hmm. I had plans to travel with my cousin and my auntie to Thailand um in I think it was October of that year so I had I cancelled that so that I could do my transfer because I got pushed back a couple of months I cancelled my holiday um put it on hold we then because they don't give you a full refund, um, my insurance. So I just said to Dave, I was like, look, you know, this if this works, I'll be pregnant, but 
I'll, I'll be at the right time, we can do a holiday. So we booked a holiday for this year in February mm-hmm. to Vietnam, um, thinking that we'd be pregnant while I was over there, which wasn't the case. Um, so, yeah, I had all these plans. I cancelled everything, put basically everything on hold for this. Um, and then come... January, I was booked in for a DNC because nothing happened naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, this is all private, but, I mean, sorry, all public, by the way. I don't have private health insurance. So I was in the um, public hospital, booked in for my DNC. Um, that was fine. And then I, they told me I would bleed for, I'm not sure what it is. I think they tell you a couple of weeks. Um, weeks passed, I was still bleeding. So I went in. To they have a program in the hospital where I can see midwives and they help you um, with this stage of a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So booked me in um, for a scan and I still had, I can't remember the word, I still had stuff up in there after the DNC, mm-hmm. which apparently is a 3 to 5% chance of happening. So it happened... Um, they said I can try the medication, um, cause they give you a few options, either operation, uh, medication or leave it go naturally, um, all with, all with a risk of infection. So I went for the surgery thinking it would be clear. I'd still be good for my holiday in February. Um, so then that happened. I went back. They gave me medication. I tried that. They did a checkup scan. It was still in there. Um, they told me I wouldn't be able to travel. That was absolutely devastating. Um, and I took a second lot of medication the week later because the, the first one didn't work. Um, then they told me I went to the hospital on a Sunday because I took it on the Friday and my nurse said, if you if nothing happens, go to the emergency and present because um, there's something wrong. So I did that. They then told me that there's no one there that can help me on a Sunday. So I went back the next day. Um, they told me that. So I had plans to go to Newcastle to visit my best friend. Um, on the Tuesday, I had to postpone my flight to the Friday um, because they told me that I couldn't travel. Um, because of risk of bleeding out. Um, so then I went back to the nurse and she told me, what did she tell me? So she said, we advise you not to fly, but um, it's it's my choice. So I took more medication in the hope that it would work. It didn't work. I still had... Um, stuff inside I can't remember what the medical term is for it I don't know if either of you know um is it I don't I don't keep wanting to say endometrial lining like is it the endometrial like you know like your um tiff do you know (laughs) I it was it's like sorry go I've only heard it like after it's occurred that it's referred to as meta which is not nice but so yeah I I went in my DNC, I had retained product left, which is a 5% chance of happening. Um, 
and then was told that this medication would flush everything out. Um, I did that. It didn't work. Um, the worst part for me was being told that I couldn't travel because I had already cancelled my first holiday. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was really looking forward to it and I needed it. Like my nurse at the fertility clinic was like, take a holiday, relax, enjoy yourselves and then come back and try again. So that's what I was trying to do. Definitely didn't work that way. Um, I was booked in the day before we left for Vietnam or two days before we left to have another DNC, which was super high risk. Um, and I went in, they did a scan before they were going to operate. So I was prepped, had my gown on, had my hat on, my booties and all that lovely fashion. Um, had a drip in, ready to go. And then I finally got probably my favourite doctor of all time. And she came in, <clears throat> she looked at the scan that they had and she's like, what you have, what the retained product that you have left is small enough we don't have to operate. They were like the most amazing words I've heard in three months of going through this. This is in February, so the start of February, so from the start of December, um, I was bleeding the whole time. Um, so I'm not someone that wears pads, so for TMI, for those that are listening. Um, so having to do that for three months straight was painful enough. Um, and, yeah, so I – she's she asked me what I wanted to do and I said I do not want to – get operated on again I want to go on my holiday so she said okay that's fine we don't see a need to operate at this point in time you, you you're good to go home so I packed myself up and Dave picked me up from the hospital that day we left for Vietnam two days later mm -hmm. we were there I think 10 days in total so five days down south five days up north we did our five days and then got to the north we decided to go out for dinner and drinks, I think. And there's like this big party street. There's like clubs everywhere. So we decided to have a bit of fun. We went, we got to the first bar and I don't know the right words for this, but I bled through my pants. Mm -hmm. um, so what was meant to happen two months ago hap happened in the middle of this street overpopulated by a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I had blue jeans on. It was the most – I'm not one to get embarrassed much, but this felt embarrassing. Ran to the toilet. It wasn't painful, but it was painful afterwards. Um, and I was like, okay, so I let it go. It, it really slowed down, like, that night. The next day I was like, okay, it's over. Like, that's it. I can go and enjoy myself now. I think two days later we went to go out again and it happened again. He poor in the thing. same street. Yeah, yeah, it was horrible. Um, it happened, yeah, two days later in the same street, different bar. Um, that's when I decided that I wouldn't go out again. Yeah. Um, we did the rest of our holiday and enjoyed ourselves, but I think it wasn't what, we hoped for, I think, in the end. Um, 
I was wearing black pants everywhere just in case it happened again and not being out for too long, making sure there was a toilet everywhere, which is hard in Vietnam. Don't know if you've ever been there, but yep. Yep. a lot of public toilets that you want to go to over there. Um, so, yeah, I came back, um, went straight to the hospital, and I think they did another scan and it was all clear. So that was the end of February that happened. Um, and then... What are we in now, May? So I went to, I had to wait. I think I was still bleeding. So I had to wait for that to stop. Um, and then the nurse said, once you stop bleeding, your body will go through the cycle again. And then in two weeks, you'll get a period. It took me four weeks to get it back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the fertility specialist they weren't they weren't too keen on doing it with the first period, I don't think, or they did sorry, yes, they did, so that was March, but then um covid nineteen took over mm-hmm. so that got cancelled um, then came back, so I've just been waiting basically now until they could reopen. Mm-hmm. Um, for elective surgeries it got announced on what day was it was it the 27th 27th of April I think they could do or 28th they could do elective surgery again including IVF mm-hmm. um, and my cycle started on the 29th so I rang my nurse and I was like guess what it is and she's day one so Sorry. I'm currently yep. mid-cycle Yes. Yeah. You're right in the middle of it. So, um, I just like, I, I feel so like that's that, that missed, missed carriage, you know, that must've been quite upsetting and, and traumatic for you to go through. It was because I, in my head, I had the idea a miscarriage, you get told, you're not like it's gone or you're not pregnant or whatever happens um, on that first scan and then it's over. Like I was, I like, I was very, I would say naive, maybe or misinformed or just didn't have the information of what you could go through. Like I had no idea that Mm -hmm. it would take three months to get over that. Yeah. So yeah, it was something I never thought I'd have to go through at all. I just thought, oh, yeah. you know, you'll, you'll bleed and it'll be over in a couple of days. How do you feel going into another IVF round after that? Um, I am kind of – I was frustrated because of this coronavirus making me wait more, but I think now I'm happy because I had that first period after my body's kind of back to normal, I guess rather than rushing mm-hmm. straight into it um, after having all of that. So I, I'm i not excited yet um, and I don't – I actually had a conversation with Dave the other day because um, he's overseas at the moment. Um, I said I don't th- – I'm not excited. I don't know when I will be. And he's like, I don't think 
we'll get excited until we're past that first step where, that we reached last time. Mm-hmm. So once that first scan's done and we know that it is a viable pregnancy this time, I think that's probably when I'll get excited. So at the moment it's kind of just going through the motions and waiting. Mm-hmm. When you found out you were pregnant, so um, were you sort of, were you excited then? Did you have any sort of idea that, or like, did you have any sort of worries about whether or not it was a viable pregnancy or were you just sort of just ecstatic and in that, in that present moment, just so happy that you were pregnant? We were happy, but it was weird. Like I, I wasn't planning on testing at home, but then I, I must've gone looking for it, but I found a pregnancy test in my bathroom. So I did it. Um, and then Dave came home from work and I told him and we kind of like hugged and got excited, but I think because it took so long to get there, it was a weird feeling. Like it was excitement, but, oh, we knew it was coming. I don't know. That's, it's really hard to explain. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, we were super excited, but you, there's always the worry of like, oh, will I reach the 12 week mark? When, at what point will I know that it's actually going to go right through? So, like you said, yeah, I you do have the worry of um, whether it's going to be viable or not. Yeah. Right from the start, I think, especially being IVF and um, knowing that it's common for it not to work the first time. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Mm. So... If we just go back to, like, the start, um, when you, you said that your GP knew that you were trying and everything, did you do any testing before you started trying? And um, once you decided to go for IVF, did you do any testing then either? Um, I, I think it was very basic. Like, there wasn't any egg, test, egg testing or anything. I think they did um, – she sent Dave for a sperm test – um, and then I just had blood tests to make sure all my levels were good because I was started take I started taking Elevate right when mm-hmm. we started trying naturally. Um, so all that was tested, um, and I can't remember what the scan was, but I think it was an internal scan or external to check my my structure. If that makes sense, like if mm-hmm. everything yeah, inside. Yeah. Um, that so it was pretty basic, and I think the GP covered everything that she could on her end before sending me to a specialist. Yeah. So was there any sort of diagnosis for you? And why there was- um, no, not not really. So Dave's, they I think the specialist tested Dave's sperm again. Um, and he his count was good, but they had they were a bit slow. Um, and then because my cycle is all, all over the place, I couldn't um, tell when I was ovulating. Mm-hmm. Um, the blood I did blood tests with the GP, which didn't work because got the wrong day. Um, so and there was a month or two that I actually mit- I didn't get a period. So it was kind of the doctor said with that and being so uncertain like whether you're actually ovulating properly every month 
um, with the slow sperm is kind of together. He's like, you probably could fall naturally, but it would just take a longer time. Yeah. Uh And the specialist, like, I understand your want for, like, because my age and stuff, um, I don't, like, I didn't want to be still trying naturally in my late thirties, basically. So no, no full diagnosis. It's kind of a little bit unknown with a little bit of, it would probably take you a long time. Um, you keep mentioning your age. Um, so you said at the start, you're 32. Is there something in particular that's worrying you about your age and, and falling, you know, having a baby? I, I'm, I feel different about it now, but I I know when I was younger, I always used to, I know most girls probably did. I'm going to be married and have two or three kids by the time I'm 30. <laughs> and a house and a dog and, <laughs> yeah. and a career and, yeah. and everything. Shit. <laughs> yeah. So I did that, you know, my sister and I used to plan our weddings and all colors and our baby names and yeah. we'd have a, a girl and blah, blah, blah. So always had that in my head and then I was 25 when I met Dave um so and we like we knew we wanted kids so I was like yeah I'm ready I'm ready but I wanted him to be ready at the same time um both come out of pretty shitty relationships before that so we were like yep let's spend time to ourselves then I started getting older like 28 and I was like oh should we for some reason and I think I still do I just have a thing that it's harder or it won't happen once you hit 30 it all just gets harder and more downhill and then there's risks of it something being wrong with the baby and that always plays in my mind Mm -hmm. so yeah once I hit 30 it was just always in the back of my mind I'm comfortable with being a mum in my 30s like a first-time mum but I yeah I always thought that it was kind of too old to start having kids and stuff like that and I don't know why I don't know if it's just because of that thing you go through when you're younger and you have that in your head that image in your head that you're going to be have kid, you know two three kids in school by the time you're 35 it's silly it's so silly Dave tells me all the time um I mean I don't I don't think it's silly because you know, in my head, I had exactly the same sort of thing as you that I wanted to, you know, I wanted to start having children. I was like between the ages of 27 and 30 and then that's it. (laughs) No more after that. So whatever happens, happens. And, you know, I always said I would never go through IVF and all of this sort of stuff. And I think we have these plans in our minds of how we would like our lives to look and when we're told that it's not going to look like that it takes a long time to sort of adjust and process your own expectations versus your reality um and sort of rejoin you know and sort of understand and process that so I don't I don't think you're being silly at all I think it's a totally normal thing to sort of grieve that loss of what you wanted yeah so um I do remember reading, though, when um, we first started IVF that once you hit 30, um, like, your egg quality 
depending on like your AMH and like your genetics and all of that sort of stuff can sort of drop off. And so I remember freaking out thinking, well, like, you know, if we need to do another round of IVF once I'm over 30, like I'm not going to get any eggs, you know, like, which is just so silly. Like it's not even necessarily the case, but that number in my mind has just been there for some reason ever since I've heard that. So... So at the moment, are you doing a frozen embryo transfer or? Yes. So I got, I froze six and I'm, I'm happy to use those. Um, I don't, I don't even know the difference between a fresh and a frozen. Obviously I know that one's not frozen, but I never got that chance. So um, frozen it is for me. Um, I, had a first scan the other day. What day is it today? Saturday. On Thursday, just to check my progress. And I've got another one on Tuesday coming up. And then hopefully book in a transfer day. Mm-hmm. Are you doing a natural cycle again or are you doing a medicated cycle? No, medicated. My nurse told me I won't do natural again. Yeah. So <laughs> we won't try natural again. Yeah. So, what medication, if you don't mind me asking, what medications are you currently taking? I am on, that's a good question, is it progesterone? Yep. Um, so I think six milligrams a day. Um, they started me a bit higher this time just so that I think I was, because your wall or your lining, sorry, has to be eight millimetres. I was about half of that last time. So they started me a bit higher. Mm-hmm. And I think on Thursday I was 6.5, so... So are you, are you taking Proginova? Is that what you're taking? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So then you'll start. Yep. Yeah, you'll start your progesterone before you. Yeah. Yes. You do transfer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Um. So basically, with going through IVF and things like that, have you been quite open with your friends and family about your fertility, um, treatment? Uh, so I decided to choose a select group of people like friends or family who I wanted to tell, um, not, not because I'm embarrassed or anything like that. I've never actually had an issue with going through IVF. Um, I find it a blessing in a way. Um, so I chose my sister, my mum. Um, a couple of my best friends, and I think that was about it. Um, and then Dave had his people that he chose to tell as well. Um, just I think I didn't want to have to update everybody on everything when it happened, um, and I didn't want them to feel bad about asking me as well, I think, in a, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially now looking back at, what I did go through, I didn't like it. It's just easier that a lot of people don't know that. And I think for me, I don't like people feeling sorry for me as well. So I didn't want people feeling sorry for me because of what I went through. Does that make sense? Um, also, not, I don't think all of my family knows. So there wasn't really a reason for that but a a lot of the people in my family that have had kids it's all been natural and easy and you know my cousin oh their third baby was an accident and so I was like I don't know if they will understand properly 
um, what it is all about and I'm happy to explain it but I think I'm choosing to do that once I've fallen pregnant and telling them like without having that added stress while I'm going through it because as you know it's stressful enough while you're going through it so I'd rather just have the conversation with them after I've like everything's done kind of thing so yeah I and I am happy with the group of people I chose they've been amazing support throughout everything um probably brought my sister and I closer um so she was pregnant and had a baby last year through this time so I think that and then me going through this Mm -hmm. has just made us even closer again so that's good I um just in your correspondence with Tiff I saw that you know you spoke to your sister because you were thinking that you might like to wait to put your story out um do you mind like sort of just like what what made you change your mind and decide to be interviewed after speaking to her so I showed her the email I sent and she without going through the conversation word for word, I think she was basically like, there's so many different people who listen to this kind of podcast and there could be women out there that are mid-cycle like myself who haven't had a baby yet, who might be able to relate to my story, um, who might be able to relate to what I'm going through or, you know, only having that one transfer or one cycle done um, and they might get something from it. So I think that made me rethink it. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And she's like, you know, you could always go for an update. And then you sent that email saying, you know, we can come back for an update. And I think that just, it just clicked for me. And I was like, okay. Cool. And it's definitely helped me, especially with her. Like we have a really open relationship and we talk about everything. So actually talking about everything helps as well. Mm-hmm. Um even if you don't realise why you are talking about it, afterwards you feel so much better. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that was it. She kind of just made it clear as to why I should talk about it and maybe I, you know, someone listening will relate to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had that a couple of times where people have said, oh, wait, we're not sure if we're appropriate and it's kind of like, well, everyone's appropriate regardless of where they are in their journey and I think that's that's the point to our podcast is we want that we exactly what you just said we want a range of different stories and a range of different times in their lives and in their journeys and things like that and you know to have that perspective and you know even like when we come back for an update you know you'll have a different perspective then you know like just to sort of see the development so people can see like it's normal to feel what they're feeling or yeah Yeah. um tiff did you want to ask any questions um i was gonna ask if you use a private or a bulk billing clinic a bulk billing billing, and how did you find it um i've had no issues so i've seen the one nurse the whole time Mm -hmm. um and she's amazing and I saw one doctor for most of it and then a different doctor did my transfer. But then, um, so Dave's deployed at the moment. So we made sure that we went in for an appointment and everything before he left so that I could do stuff while he was away. Yeah. Um, 
and then we saw that second doctor again. So it's it hasn't been a huge range of people, which I was worried about. Mm. It's still quite small and um, intimate, I guess. So, um, yeah, I've had no issues whatsoever. Um, how has your relationship been with Dave throughout this whole process? Like, have you guys become closer? Like, you know, you said he was there for pretty much every appointment for you, which sounds – which is great. Um, yeah, yep. how how has your relationship been in general while going through this? I think it's good. Um, we probably didn't talk about our emotions enough, especially when we found out we miscarried. Um, we know that now. We've had the conversation. Um, I told him I was doing this. Obviously, he doesn't have the opportunity to join in. But... Um, yeah, we have talked about it since and he, like, I had a lot of trouble at the hospital when I was going through the miscarriage um, just with timing and getting them to make a decision and he was there. Um, there was one day we were there for six hours trying to see a doctor. Um, that's the public system for you, I guess, but he, he was just there the whole time and just had my back. Um, so, yeah, I think in a way it's brought us closer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, going through going through something like that and having each other's back definitely brings you closer, if anything. Yeah. Well, in our situation anyway. Yeah. That's really good. I think that's positive. Uh, it, it's important, you know, like even if you're not, like you said, talking about your emotions and things like that, like becoming closer rather rather than letting the problem divide you you're choosing to let it unite you sort of thing. So that's really, that's really great. If you could go back to the start, you know, so when you first sort of started trying for children and, and, and your fertility treatment, what would you say to yourself at the start? What would you tell yourself? Um, I would tell myself, I didn't think about this question. Um, probably I'm stronger than I think I am, or I, I can be stronger than I think I am. Um, thanks to my best friend who told me that, which I didn't realise until she told me. Um, and I think any – the worst thing I think can happen, like it gets worse for me and what I went through, never thought it was possible. So, yeah, I think – and probably – it won't work the first time, so don't get too excited, I guess. I don't know. I think a little a little bit of a pre-warning but also telling myself that I can get through it, thinking like when you think that this is going to break you emotionally, it will only make you stronger, yeah. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks so much for joining us today. No worries. Thanks for having me. so much for joining us today we hope you enjoyed this episode if you like listening to the podcast and would like to share your story we will pop the link in the show notes be sure to hit subscribe so when we release new episodes it lands straight into your listen now if you could also leave us a review for the show that would be so appreciated no words are needed just stars If you're on the Apple app, scroll down to the bottom of the podcast page and tap to rate. This makes a massive difference to our show's visibility and helps us to get our show out and about to others experiencing fertility treatment. 
IVF Tales is an independent production made by Amy and I. Music is by Vlad Gulishenko. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts.